Homelessness is very complex, and government is is radically trying to figure out a way. And, and most of the ways that the federal and state government are and city governments are are doing is oversimplifying the problem. Uh, they're thinking, okay, if we to end homelessness, all we have to do is give them a home. And so they're spending millions and millions of dollars uh, all over the uh, country, uh, placing these people in apartment complexes and old hotels, uh, tiny, uh, or what they call pallet homes. But uh, probably 60%, I would say that high, 60% are not housing ready. Uh, they, they can't handle or not ready to be let, uh, stuck in an apartment or even stuck in a tiny home uh, without any kind of wraparound services. So they're ignoring the, the critical mental health things, the critical physical health issues, and just generally the the uh, issues of, of radical drug uh, uh, addiction. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of American Potential. We're going to talk about an issue that affects so many of us. You know, homelessness is on the rise across our country and communities and cities are having a discussion about how to help the homeless population. Nonprofits, government agencies and community initiatives all play a crucial role in providing support to those experiencing homelessness. But there isn't a one-size-fits-all solution. One organization in Colorado Springs, Colorado, is taking a different approach to homelessness by providing access to programs to help them restore their health, find jobs, and move into permanent housing. Now, today's guest is the former president and CEO of the Springs Rescue Mission, and he and three others wrote a book outlining how the mission was able to work with the homeless while providing services at a low cost. I want to welcome Larry Yonker, who is one of the authors of Meeting Homelessness with Hope. Larry, thanks for joining us. Jeff, thanks for having me. Yeah, so first of all, I want to make let everybody understand, I am one of the few people on earth that... No, has known your wife longer than you have, right? That's right. But one of the few, um, Larry is my brother-in-law. He's married to my my sister, Kim. And so uh, I wanted to do that. But yeah, I know her better than you, Larry. I don't know, maybe, maybe not better, but longer anyway, right? I have known you longer than I've known your wife, too. <laughs> well, that is true. That is right. true. Which is yeah, probably I, a good thing. That's right. I th- how old was I when you... St- you started showing up in my life. I think I was at your eighth birthday party. Oh my goodness. So it's been a while. (laughs) It's, it's been a while. And I always tell the story. uh, Larry Yonker is, is our guest today. And my sister said she was dating a football player and I was so excited. I thought she said Larry Zonka, who was the running back for the Miami dolphins, but it wasn't Larry Zonka, but you turned out to be better anyway. (laughs) Well, that's right. Well, listen, first of all, how did you find uh, your way? Let's tell folks how you found your way to working at Springs Rescue Mission. Well, I'm kind of the, I call myself the Colonel Sanders of of homelessness. Uh, I was actually um, in in the corporate world in the computer industry for 16 years. And then I moved to the nonprofit sector 
and served as the executive director of development and marketing for Compassion International. Uh, after 10 years of that, I, I had a consulting business and uh, one of the clients that I was serving was Springs Rescue Mission. They had hired me to help raise a million and a half dollars to open a 45 bed men's drug and alcohol uh, rehab center uh, on their campus. It was a, 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 a building, an empty building that was sitting on the, on the grounds and we modified it and turned it into a 45 bed a residential drug and alcohol treatment center. But I, during the time I fell in love with the, with the mission. And I also fell in love with, with the thought of transforming lives, getting, helping men get their lives back together and get back into society and tax paying citizens and, and feeling, feeling some hope because they understand their purpose a little better. So why, and why is it important to you uh, to be working on this homeless issue? Well, you know, Jeff, like every other city, I think the city of Colorado Springs was uh, one was the mayor called for for some help. Uh, mayor Steve Bach back when he was uh, the mayor. And we re- we went to a press conference that he and Susie had. And he'd recently been to a, uh, a campus down in San Antonio, Texas, and brought back some drawings uh, that he would like to see happen in Colorado Springs, which is a full campus he called Sunrise Village. Uh, we raised our hand. Uh, uh, he didn't, uh, he, Steve didn't think he could partner with a faith-based organization at that time, but his wife and, and, uh, a couple other gals, one gal that worked for the city, uh, and the other one was a, a, a trustee board member of El Pamar Foundation. Uh, they liked it. And so we began to work on, uh, what that might look like. And, and, uh, actually Amy Cox, uh, began to write the plan for Colorado Springs around our plan. Uh, we knew we had to uh, own the land. We knew we had to own the real estate. And I had a, a, a board that had that believed in me and also believed that you can't go wrong in real estate. So I knew we had to own the real estate and we began to buy up the properties around the current Springs Rescue Mission campus. So uh, personally, uh, I was born with a with a, a compassion for people that are broken, uh, uh, for, whether that be bullied in school or uh, or whatever the purpose uh, the thing was, I, I just had a compassion for people that were struggling and lost their uh, hope. So uh, it was a perfect fit for me. Uh, when I went to the rescue mission, I knew that this was exactly what God wanted me to do. And the Springs Rescue Mission, by the way, is is a Christian-based nonprofit, right? You have, uh, it's a faith-based uh, entity. That's correct. And you found a way to work and partner with government, with the city of Colorado Springs and others uh, to, to, to do that and to really play an important role here. Well, I think, again, home, homelessness is very complex and government is, is radically trying to figure out a way. And, and most of the ways that the federal and state government are, uh, and city governments are, are doing is Th- uh, oversimplifying the problem. Uh, they're thinking, okay, if we, to end homelessness, all we have to do is give them a home. And so they're spending millions and millions of dollars uh, all over the uh, country, uh, placing these people in apartment complexes and old hotels, uh, tiny, uh, or what they call pallet homes, which are just uh, thrown together tiny homes in, in pieces of land that they can buy. Uh, all really, really, uh, without any wraparound services. And so, uh, again, th- they shelter them or they put them in some kind of a, of a housing unit, but, but probably 60%, I would say that high, 60% are not housing ready. 
they they can't handle or not ready to be let, uh, stuck in an apartment or even stuck in a tiny home uh, without any kind of wraparound services. So they're ignoring the the critical mental health things, the critical physical health issues, and just generally the the uh, issues of of radical drug uh, uh, addiction, drug and alcohol addiction. Well, just up the road from you in Denver, Denver just announced a, a plan. They're going to spend $500 million, half a billion dollars for housing over the next two years uh, to, to combat homelessness. Now, some of these are tiny homes, kind of all put into a specific neighborhood. Now, uh, you, you and I talked about this a, a little bit. You, you don't think that that's going to work. Correct. I know it's not going to work. I know it's not going to work, Jeff. I, it isn't even a, uh, and I'm not saying that tiny homes aren't, couldn't be part of the solution, but this solution they're putting together isn't going to work. Uh, we ought to know that public housing in, in my lifetime, I've seen Cabrini Green. I've seen Desire Street. I've seen horrible, horrible public housing uh, projects just turn into drug, uh, infested and, uh, just human trafficking, uh, areas and, and that's what you have when you have camps, when you have campsites. And, and so I think the biggest thing is, 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 uh, and this is why the partnership with the city was so important and why, honestly, why they were willing to invest in the physical, uh, shelter of these people, which is not, not the, certainly not the spiritual development, but the, but the physical health. And, uh, so we had a mayor that had the courage to do, do a sit lie ordinance. So you couldn't allow uh, homeless people to lay on the sidewalks or sit on the sidewalks in your downtown area, or they weren't allowed to just lay on the sidewalk and in, in a stupor. Uh, and, and that was the first thing. Uh, we weren't quite ready for it when they passed that law. Uh, John certainly got a lot of pushback uh, and uh, from the ACLU and, and different uh, places. Uh, but we were quickly to build this. Uh, our campus included a courtyard where they were certainly welcome to come and sit and lie in, in, in an area where they had wraparound services. Uh, we also, uh, he got tough and, and passed a camping ban. And so they began the process of spending the resources uh, to clean up the creeks, clean up the rivers. Uh, you know, people camp around water and, that, and that's where homeless camps were springing up. We didn't have as bad a situation as most do as far as sidewalk camping, uh, but it was going that direction really fast. And so we have a lot of waterways and so, Cleaning up the waterways required uh, to keep him from getting sued. And John was an attorney. In fact, attorney general of the state at one time. He uh, he understood that we had to have beds. And so we began the process of starting with 180 uh, men and women beds uh, in our plan uh, to over 450 beds today. And uh, over half of those are uh, were paid for by the city. A community development block grant, and they pay for paid for the building of this shelter, and then we provide the wraparound services uh, uh, with all of our donation revenue. So, this this idea that that is age old, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. To, to just provide people with homes, it, you don't believe is going to work. It hasn't worked in the past, where government just no. comes in and makes government government run housing. Uh, that that in a lot of cases becomes a terrible trap for the people who are stuck there and can't get out. Um, and right. that's what I think this is going to turn into in a lot of communities. And you see community after community thinking that that's compassion and that's the way to handle homelessness. But but you say they're wrong in thinking that that's going to solve the problem. 
Well, again, they're not ready. So that the people aren't ready to go into housing and, and they certainly aren't helping them get uh, rehabilitated so they can go back to work. Uh, I think the places that have worked, honestly, the tiny home uh, community in, in Austin, Texas, the people pay $450 a month rent and the community builders build tiny homes in a really, really nice community. And they've built a community. It's a, a Catholic priest is the one who it's called Loaves and Fishes. It's in, in Austin. And it's a, it's one of the cleanest, nicest communities I've ever been in. The city put, uh, uh, put a bus route to go out to the, to the, uh, village. And, uh, I've just, I've just seen so much dignity in, uh, down there because they're all those that work, get on the bus and go to work. And those that, that can't work, uh, they $450 a month is a large portion of their SSI or, or veterans benefits. But it also gives them, they have uh, employment opportunities there. So they have things they can do. They have a farm. They have things that they can sell uh, and, and make a little extra money on their own so they can uh, take the bus into town. These are not homeless people anymore. They're, they're housed and they're, uh, they're the, the number of them that are getting off of drugs and, and hard drugs is amazing. So that's one example of, a, of, of one area. Uh, San Antonio's got the, the campus. They have 44 uh, uh, acres and they have a full services, wraparound services. What they, what they lack uh, that I think is a, is a key thing for us is the faith community. We have, a, you know, again, we're Christian based. And, and so, all of, so those that we have lots of services and things available for them that want to come and nothing's required, nothing's mandatory. Uh, but I think that's the way God would do it anyway. And so they're welcome to come to a number of things that we have on our campus. And we see that a lot of people, uh, just their lights, the lights come back on, the, the life comes back into their eyes and they find hope. And I want to, I want to get to that, but before we do, I want to continue to explore a little bit, uh, you know, this sort of comparison, a tale of two cities, if you will, uh, Denver getting ready to spend 500 million on, on housing over a two year period. Colorado Springs budgets about $6 million per year for homeless initiatives. Talk about the difference in, in those two plans and their effectiveness. Well, the bottom line, and I think the goal that, uh, that the mayor has set for this half a billion dollars is to get a thousand people housed. Okay. Well, that's $250,000 a person. Uh, I don't know how much of that budget, if it's all being spent on housing, I don't know how much of the budget he's planning on spending on wraparound services, but none of the plans that I see uh, call for, in fact, the housing first doesn't allow you to have wraparound services inside the facility uh, or on the camp, uh, on the area. So uh, you can't require them to go to mental health or addiction recovery programs. Uh, and in fact, the government uh, says you can't require those things. And so, uh, that's one thing, uh, which means that they aren't going to work. Uh, uh, you're going to have a massive turnover. You're going to have a lot of destroyed property. Uh, where our property, again, is uh, so that $6 million goes to several agencies. And and so we've got uh, Catholic Charities is doing uh, families. Salvation Army is doing families. Uh, we're doing chronic homeless for adult men and women. Uh, we are called low barrier. So you can come with your pets. You can come with your uh, addictions and you're, you can't use while you're on our campus, obviously, but you, but you can, you can come in and you're allowed in, get a shower, take, uh, do your laundry, do the, do the full services and find hope. That's really the whole thing. 
if, if you don't have any wraparound services, a, a house isn't going to give you hope. In fact, it's proven sorry, uh, that just the house alone will cause depression, will create more depression and loneliness, which is not what this, these people need. They need community. And so you've got to build a community uh, for these folks and that's tightly regulated. So if they have enough enforcement in these buildings to keep them from destroying the property, it's going to feel like a prison. Uh, they won't be locked down, but it's going to feel like a like a punitive prison rather than a community of help. You and also, about- uh, Mike Kaufman in, in Aurora is uh, replicating our model. Uh, he felt he he found that we were the best, in, in, even better than San Antonio. So he's uh, hired uh, and and having Springs Rescue Commission consult them on how to build this uh, campus in Aurora. So you talked about wraparound services and maybe explain a little bit what that means. But, you know, the idea is to not just and it seems like sometimes when you're just saying, well, we'll give you a a home, you're not. Well, while they may have a place to stay, you haven't changed their life. You haven't really given them hope. Uh, The idea with with trying to help homelessness is to get people to be productive uh, citizens who have hope and have um, you know, a, a life to look forward to, not just a place to go to. Um, talk about these wraparound services and why that's such an important component. Well, our model is is built on a on a health uh, housing and work. Okay, and so the housing that we are choosing to to manage is is a tiered shelter. So you have different privileges with different shelters, and we have three different shelter models: uh, one for low barrier, just if you just want a bed and a meal. You can come and do that for a period of time. Uh, we don't really have any set time, but people don't, I'd say, don't generally say they're, if they don't move up, then they move out. And uh, the ones that move up go into a, a, a next step shelter, it's called, and they begin treatment. So they begin health treatments, uh, mental health treatments, taking classes, work uh, uh, job readiness uh, classes. Uh, we have the Department of Human Services there. We have the VA uh, on our campus. We have uh, Peak Vista, which is a, a, a clinical health. We have dental services. We have mental health services. There's about 16 agencies. We have three or four uh, different uh, alcohol uh, a, triple, a, 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 uh, locations or uh, what they call cocaine anonymous, CA, uh, in the evening. So these we have a lot of people that once they get into those treatment programs, they move into the advanced shelter. And they start paying two hundred dollars a month. Uh, while and those are people that are generally uh, able to work, uh, and they're dealing with their addictions uh, through an outpatient. So it's it's not a residential. And then of course we have our forty men that are in in drug and alcohol rehab, residential. So sixteen agencies. Right now, I've heard people say that uh, you know there are people there are people who are homeless who just want to be homeless. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Are there some Very people true. who just want to be? Very true. In fact, I think that's why law enforcement is so important. Uh, I don't think it's compassionate to let somebody continue to to shoot up needles uh, in parks and, and throw their needles down on the ground. I think they should be arrested for that. I don't think that people should be allowed to to camp in areas that I, you and I couldn't camp in. Uh, uh, I think that, again, vagrancy, people have compassion. They think they have compassion for them, but they do by letting them do that or giving them clean needles or giving, letting them camp or sleep wherever they want to, that's not compassion. In fact, that's, I think that's one of the cruelest things you can do uh, for someone is to, is to uh, 
continue to help them in their uh, with their addiction. So give them clean needles so they can go buy drugs. And every clean needle location within a, a two block area, all the drug dealers uh, sell drugs around these uh, needle exchanges. I've been to three of them. And within two blocks, you can see the drug dealers selling the drugs to these people. And then they go get a clean needle or they go shoot up over in a, and you know, shooting up in one of these rooms probably saves some lives because they do have Narcon and other things there. Uh, so they're probably saving lives, but saving lives for what? Uh, I mean, the people are, are distraught with uh, low self-esteem. They don't have any value or worth. And we believe fundamentally, in fact, that's the thing that uh, got me started in this thing, is I believe they're God's kids and they all were created for a purpose and created with, with value. So I want to spend my life helping them find that. Helping them find their purpose and the reason that they were, that exactly. they were put on this earth uh, to, to reach their, their full potential. That's so, exactly right. Yeah. So where did the book idea come from? Who came up with the idea to do a book? Well, we had so much success. I mean, the real results were uh, Smith's Rescue Mission is placing between 20 and 30 a month back into permanent housing. So these are people that are employed and uh, and have income. Uh, they find they find roommates while they're in the rescue mission. And so while they get they want to be around people that are staying sober and, and uh, willing to work. So even with the high rent rates, we're able to place people back into in the housing. Some of them, obviously, uh, over half of them probably have some kind of voucher uh, from the government, but they're back in housing and they're working uh, in the community. So the bottom line is, is, is the results were happening and, and the word was spreading around. And so people started to come and visit and say, what are you doing? We've had probably a half a dozen or more that have visited with their city government, their police uh, departments and business people from those communities. I just just got off the phone this morning with the with the uh, mayor of, of Gainesville, Georgia, and he's going to bring a group of uh, faith-based people, some business folks, and his city, uh, a few of his city council members to come to Colorado Springs in December. Uh, so they're serious about uh, replicating this model. And he had heard, I don't know, not sure where he heard about Springs Rescue Mission, but he asked a friend of mine who lives in Gainesville if I'd ever, if he'd ever heard of Springs Rescue Mission. And uh, Bob Mud was his name. Bob said, sure, I know the guy who, who did this in Colorado Springs. So he called me this morning. Um, we're going to set up a tour uh, for them to come out. We've had uh, Sacramento. We've had Portland. Uh, we've had Portland's uh, Portland's almost uh, uh, too far gone, really, as far as it's going to take a massive cleanup. They've got campers in Seattle and Denver and C uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles. They've got campers uh, all over the sidewalks. Uh, and so they're going to have to, it's going to be a hard process for them. We, we jumped on this early, I think. So you, you'll see campers around the creeks and stuff, but you don't see them on the sidewalks or in the parks. So what do you talk about the book uh, a little bit and what you think, why you think it's a recipe for success and that other uh, cities and communities could maybe replicate what, what, what is going on and tell us what's in the book. Well, I think that, that on the, on the just average reader, the average citizen like us, I think it's, just, it, there's a story, a five chapter story about a person who goes through the, and experiences the, the program at Springs Rescue Mission, kind of a novel form. And that's woven throughout the book. It's got some history and it's got a lot of core philosophies, things like uh, health healing and uh, or health and, and work and housing, uh, things like agency. Uh, so we have, 
program models that are described in there about ways that we bring, uh, help these people find hope. So there's programs that we use, work programs that we use, uh, mental health programs that we, that we use in our curriculum. And then we get down to tactical things. Uh, we've got, uh, that's why there's four people. Jack Briggs is the current CEO. Mike Hamill's a longtime friend who had a step, uh, a stepdaughter who was in our uh, shelter, been a longtime friend of mine, and he's the author or the actual writer. He's the writer of the book. And so he wrote the novel part of it. I wrote a lot of the history and a lot of the partnership and a lot of the things that I think are core to, to making this work. I talk a lot about the three sectors working together. So we've got a large business community that's uh, that's participating in this financially. Uh, not to the degree that Microsoft is in Seattle. Uh, they're throwing their money away. As far as I'm concerned, uh, they're just throwing their money away because they're, they're backing horrible programs. So we've got all three sectors working together uh, in Colorado Springs, and, and we want to replicate that. I want to spend, like I said, the rest of my life uh, going around and, and teaching and, and helping uh, cities and, and organizations put this kind of thing together. So the book was actually a recommendation of Steve, Chuck. He he said, Larry, you've got all these results and you got people interested in it. Why don't you write a workbook? And, and rather than writing a workbook just for cities to, to look at, we started with a kind of a, a, a all-encompassing because we think there's so much misunderstanding. If you don't understand the problem, uh, and they don't, uh, then the single source is a solution. Well, if the problem is they don't have a house, let's give them a house. Uh, well, that's again, that's that's just naivety. They don't understand the condition or why the people are in this condition. What what uh, what do you think contributes, or do politicians? I guess I would ask it this way: Do politicians who want to to do good and want to solve a problem, homelessness is a problem, uh, you know, but then they want to solve the problem. Do they just jump on these, uh, some of these bad ideas? I mean, that, that seems to happen a lot. And uh, it's easy to take someone else's money through taxes, confiscate it, and then waste it, as you say, is happening in a lot of communities sometimes on bad programs. Is it, is yeah. it well-intentioned, maybe politicians that are doing that? Oh, I think they have a good heart or they might, they might, they think they're doing good. But I think the, again, the bottom line is just like most of our liberal uh, politicians, they think money so solves all problems and it doesn't. It takes American potential. It takes people that citizens that will rise up. The guy who you had on your program before, who's, who's making a difference in his community. Uh, and he came out of that community. So he understands it better than most people do. So I guess my hope is, is that individuals like him will rise up that read this book and understand that they can make a difference in their communities uh, with the people that are around them. They can they can uh, demand a change from their politicians uh, that they elect to city council, uh, particularly and, and to their mayor, their leadership to, to change, to make to make changes. And the businesses certainly can influence that because they're the ones that give the money to the politicians that run. And so to me, if they dem start demanding changes, um, and I don't, you know, certainly I think this is good, it's good conservatism, but I, I think the bottom line is everybody I think would, would agree. In fact, in our endorsements, you know, John Hickenlooper, he's a senator from Colorado. Well, one of the things that John at least understood when he started a program called, uh, One Congregation, One Family was that the faith community could, could be a big, a good partner with him in, in ending family homelessness. He said, there's a thousand homeless families and, there's a thousand churches. If each church would take one family, we we could end family homelessness. 
Well, that was a great plan. In fact, we launched that in Colorado Springs uh, prior to our uh, program, and we actually passed that to Catholic Charities. It's called uh, uh, Family Mentor Alliance, uh, and it's run by Catholic Charities. Very successful program for family housing. Uh, so anyway, again, it's just, uh, you know, Jeff, I was 60 years old when I started this, and, and I think I had a lot of experience and a lot of just practical experience and understanding how work played a part in my worth. And I found even greater value when I when I was able to do this. I actually felt like, you know, maybe my life has been preparing me to be able to do this at this stage of my life. So 72 years old, feel good. And I hope, hope I get a lot more years to help more people. Well, the book is Meeting Homelessness with Hope. Larry, where can people buy the book if they, if they want to read it? They can get uh, get it on Amazon. Amazon's got both Kindle version, the 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 uh, and and the book itself. Uh, they ship within a couple of days, so uh, Amazon's got the book. Uh, it's starting to pick up and sell, and it is being picked up by. Uh, I had we had one city uh, contact us and said he's buying one for his entire city council to read, and they're gonna they're gonna dig into it and then sit and have a a meeting about what that would take and who would, who they would partner with in their city. Cause you've got to have all three sectors. You can't make this work with just the government sector. In fact, it's a, uh, that's a formula for failure. Really. Uh, you've got to have people that are, uh, that care about and, and have the right solutions for the people. If you don't have the mental health and the physical health people there, uh, you can't just keep putting them in hospitals. Uh, you can't, that's not the way you don't treat the problem after it's uh, already there. You try to, keep the problem from happening. Right. Well, uh, you know, excellent work on the book. Hopefully people will pick that up and, and understand. And, you know, th- what's so important to understand here is, you know, homelessness isn't just the lack of a house, right? It's right. the lack of dignity. It's the lack of yep. a feeling of self-worth. And yep. by just handing someone a home, you don't necessarily heal that person. And that's essentially what you're saying through this? It'd be a very, very small percentage, Jeff, of those that would get better. Uh, in fact, it'd be the very, very high end rather than the very, very low end. One of the flaws, again, they use a vulnerability index, VI Spadat is called, and they give housing first to the most vulnerable, which are the least housable, uh, least people ready for housing, where if they, if they would flip that and say those that are able to work, if we could get them in housing temporarily, while they get back on their feet, that would be a better way because those people probably would make it work. Uh, but the ones they're giving the housing to are just—they're going to destroy the properties. All right, Larry. Thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate Thank your you, time. Jeff. You bet. Okay. The book is "Meeting Homelessness with Hope," and uh, you know, again, Larry, uh, our guest today has talked about the importance of communities banding together with business leaders, uh, the faith community, and others to really help address this issue of homelessness and that there's a lot of money being wasted uh, within governments for programs that just aren't going to make any difference. And we talked about some pretty big numbers today, the city of Denver spending half a billion dollars over two years on what what will likely fail uh, and it won't solve the problem. But there are ways to help address this problem and get people back to being productive members of society. And again, it's about having individuals reach their full potential, what God intended them uh, to be. So thanks for joining us again for another episode. 
of American potential. You know, liberty and freedom, we talk about it. Homeless folks uh, uh, certainly uh, need liberty, need freedom, just like the rest of us. Those things are easily taken for granted. Don't take it for granted. Go out there, defend freedom and defend liberty. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com. 